You think your world is safe. It is not. Who the hell are you? I am better. At what? Everything. Shall we begin? Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly podcast about Star Trek and geeky topics of all kinds. And welcome back, uh, everyone. And I'm here this week to uh, bring you another edition of the show. And that uh, awesome trailer was the latest uh, Star Trek Into Darkness trailer spot that was played during last week's Super Bowl game. Uh, uh, it uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, some new footage in there a little bit, not you know n- nothing uh, really revealing. But I'll talk a little bit more about that on today's uh, show. It is February the tenth, twenty thirteen. This will be a podca- podcast. What am I saying? Uh, fun podcast. Podcast uh, <laughs> four hundred and thirteen. Is that right? I think so. Anyway, and uh, on today's show, uh, the main topic we are going to be looking at is a TNG episode. Uh, from uh, way back in season two and it is called elementary dear data and another episode and this is after you do 400 podcasts another uh, uh, episode of trek that i thought i had covered but i guess i hadn't i know i've done other holodeck adventure type tng ones i know i did the uh uh, Picard, uh, you know, on the holodeck with Dixon Hill and all that. But uh, anyway, we're going to look at this one, Elementary Dear Data. I'm going to play the episode, comment along uh, as I watch it for all of you to enjoy uh, for your listening. Pleasure to uh, avoid thinking about work or whatever, driving or whatever you do when you listen, jogging while you listen to this show. I got a lot of news to cover. A lot of things happened in the last couple of weeks related to track, related to the, you know, everything in the geeky world seemed to be exploding. Sometimes I think a lot of places will wait until the new year and then everything is let loose. Especially a lot of this, I think, was uh, precipitated by last week's Super Bowl game, which is as much about the ads and commercials as it is about uh, the game itself. I'm not a huge sports fan, as I've said a few times on the show, but uh, I did see most of the the commercials and movie trailers and was pretty excited by, by some of the stuff. Iron Man 3 looks great. Uh, of course, Into Darkness. Uh, they've got a few other ones they played uh, for um, the uh, that new Oz movie. Why am I blanking out on the name? <laughs> oh, that's terrible. It's too early on a Sunday morning. I will uh, rejog my brain, drink a little tea while we get started here on Treks in Sci-Fi.
Welcome back to the show, everyone. That new little uh, cool electronic intro there was from our buddy Rick Moyer, uh, who can be found over at uh, StarTrekParodies.com and many other sites. And he sent in some uh, audio this week, a uh, new intro, outro, and some comments about the TNG episode that I'll play later uh, on the show. And uh, again, thanks, Rick, for that. I know you're a busy busy guy with all kinds of work these days and I, I appreciate you taking time to send in some new audio for us and I'm working on some other stuff with someone else that I'll probably have for the next podcast that should be fun for you guys too so how's everyone doing everyone surviving a crazy winter uh, for those listening uh, who are in the east area east coast on the New England states and New York New Jersey and those areas we got here at my house with this last snowstorm probably about maybe eight, eight inches or so, quite a bit enough that I decided not to go into work on Friday. I took the day off since my drive is fairly long and I just didn't feel like fighting it. Uh, but uh, some places were getting a couple of feet of snow or more over in the east. And, and I, my, uh, you know, I, I feel for you. It was enough to shovel what we got here. So uh, <laughs> whatever you guys got, I, I, uh, I think it's, uh, it's going to be a lot harder and <laughs> take longer than us. But Ah, uh, winter, what are you going to do? So, okay, enough with the weather. Let's get right into some Star Trek talk. And I played the trailer for Into Darkness. A lot of Into Darkness things coming out. A few things I wanted to pass on. A couple things I already posted on the on the website, the main treksinsci-fi.com website. You can always email me, treksf at gmail.com, for comments or questions or audio files you want to send in, talk about whatever we're doing. And if you go to the main website, too, you can find out in the podcast area there, you can find out what's coming upcoming on the podcast and, and the show ahead and send in, you know, even comments ahead of time if you'd like. Uh, this is kind of uh, a summation of what I've come to conclude about this Star Trek Into Darkness movie. Of course, J.J. Abrams is, you know, has been keeping things very secretive as much as he could. There's been a few things that have popped up on Entertainment Weekly's website, and I emphasize the website only. They have a big issue on a Star Trek Into Darkness, a multi-page issue with new pictures and and a cover story. In the latest issue that just came out at the end of uh, this past week, it's actually, I think, technically this week's issue. But since I subscribe to this uh, very excellent entertainment magazine, it uh, they go into, um, you know, discussions with JJ about the movie and nothing's really given away. There's a sentence in the in the article that says, you know, the, the rumor going around is that that uh, this uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's role, the villain, is going to be Khan, even though he's been named as John Harrison in, in some other promo material and, and things that have been released officially. And on the EW Entertainment Weekly's website and their store to buy this issue, originally some guy who was sitting there at his computer you know, putting up the post to buy this issue on its own said Kirk and Khan as the cover was was the cover. They it was it wasn't actually printed on the magazine. It was just a caption for the magazine, and it quickly got pulled up by you know various websites. And everyone's like, "Is this really Khan? Is Harrison really Khan?" And then it quickly got taken down by EW's site. Now, whether they really know something or not. I find highly doubtful. I, I, I find it really doubtful that I think it was just somebody's... It, it's been widely talked about uh, that that 
he could possibly be playing Khan. I think some, you know, intern somewhere in a, in, at his computer when they said, hey, put up the latest issue on the web store, he just had a little fun. And whether he, it was intentional or j- a joke or, or ended up being true or not, who knows, but it's not a big deal, and it turned into this big thing a little bit online because I think people are really hungry for news as part of the problem. So that just created this thing. But there's nothing on the magazine, on the cover. I have the magazine sitting right here, the paper magazine, right on my uh, my computer desk here next to the microphone. There's nothing on the cover of the magazine. There's nothing in the article except for, like I said, that one line in the in the article that says, you know, he is rumored to be playing con. So take that for whatever it's worth. I don't think it's a big deal. I, I you know, it's not like they are definitively saying that. So... I think it is going to be, you know, he is playing some kind of an augment character. And I just posted this on the on the forum today, on the Trucks and Sci-Fi forum. Here's some of my thoughts, and, and this is all speculation and, and just conclusions based on some of the uh, press releases that have come out, some of the footage in the trailers, some of the stills. But this is what I'm kind of picking up. Um, this, this villain guy, John Harrison, uh, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, he, he was or is in Starfleet. That seems to be fairly obvious. He has stated in the Super Bowl trailer that he is better than us at everything. Uh, somehow the Klingons are involved in this whole story. That's That's been pretty much widely reported. It hasn't been denied. And, and you can see flashes of them in, in the trailers in it that have been released. Somehow Kirk messes up and then he has to save things that's there's a voiceover in one of the trailers that's i think it's pike speaking where you know he has no kirk has no humility that he can he thinks he's invincible and and he's going to realize in this movie i guess that he he does he can make a mistake so he's going to make some kind of pretty big mistake and uh, the, the report going around is that that forces him to sort of fix things, and almost he, he basically has to kind of break away from uh, uh, the official Starfleet to you know for a period of time in this movie. You can see various pictures of him uh, in in sort of casual like uh, civilian garb, let's call it. Carol Marcus, the blonde in the trailer, who's screaming at, at one point. Uh, she uh, is uh, she is definitely Car- Carol Marcus. That's been confirmed. I th- I'm pretty sure I'm. At least that's what I've heard. And uh, she's involved in somehow in this story pretty critically. You know, that they have a scientist involved is, is I think, a, a key thing. And uh, Harrison is pretty, pretty upset, pretty pissed at Starfleet. He's blowing up London, what appears to be London in, in, in the trailers. He is uh, obviously messing with Starfleet, with ships, attacking things, blowing things up. He has, definitely has the ability to infiltrate Starfleet so he knows things uh, about that. Here's my kind of conclusions about all of this, and then I'm going to pass on a few other uh, official things about the movie. One, that it's being released a couple days early in IMAX 3D only, but we'll talk more about that in a couple. Um, Here's what I can surmise from all of this. My guess is that Harrison... He was in Starfleet uh, at some point, maybe even in, in, in further in the past than, than what we are thinking. Maybe he was um, years back in Starfleet in the early days and then uh, perhaps uh, frozen and then augmented. But I'll talk more about that in a second. And then uh, the Klingons, I think, are going to be involved in this augment angle. If you remember those couple of episodes of Enterprise where 
they sort of try to explain why they had these sort of more human looking Klingons at first and then these augmented or, you know, the, the ridged forehead wharf style uh, Star Trek the Motion Picture Klingons later. That was supposed to be for those not, you know, up on this from Enterprise. That was supposed to be sort of a genetic um, thing that the uh, that the Klingons were working on. They had a disease and they were trying to fix it. It's been a, a while since I watched those couple of episodes, but the point of it was was that this mutation that happened to them was due to them trying to augment their 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 DNA and their physiology. So I think maybe they are somewhat involved and responsible for what happens to Harrison and maybe some people that work with Harrison, maybe his crew perhaps. Uh, that uh, maybe it's from them and not from Starfleet, although maybe it is the Federation and Starfleet. Maybe they are just these genetically engineered individuals, just like Khan was in in the original series. Perhaps, perhaps not. And maybe what happens to Harrison and his people, I, I think there are probably going to be others involved. Maybe it won't just be him. But maybe it wasn't their choice for what happened to them. Maybe they they were. Maybe this was done to them somehow. And things kind of obviously probably go wrong. People die, and now Harrison's kind of out for blood. Uh, Kirk's obviously possibly involved in some of this. Maybe he's the one that finds Harrison and his people in cryosleep somewhere. That there's a couple little scenes in the movie that make it, or in the movie trailers that make it kind of look like that. Uh, and then I think Harrison's going to, I think this whole con angle, my guess is that he's going to take the title like President uh, Harrison instead or in the word instead of president or leader or conqueror or whatever you want to call him, he's going to take the name Khan as, as more of a title like Darth. And I, I think I've talked about that on here before. Anyway, that's just all my speculation and guesswork. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun, exciting movie. I, I get a little bit bothered by some people's reaction to the the secrecy. I, I've kind of become acceptant of it. I've I was I'm a little I was a little bothered more at first. Now it's just become kind of fun. Uh, they seem to be part of it. I think that I'm more okay with it as we're getting closer to the film, and they're releasing little bits of information. For example, if you get this, there's an there's an app out. I think you can get it on Android and iOS. There's a Star Trek uh, Into Darkness movie app, and the really neat thing—they—they they really did a good job with this. It, um, what you do with it is you have to sort of actually do things to unlock certain little new content, some new pictures, and things like that. And it involves actually using the camera on your phone or your iPad and holding it up to photos that you find online or whatever. And then once it, the camera can see those, it unlocks the content. Or it actually listens to the audio of the trailers. And once you play that and have the app going, it, it actually unlocks other content too. Most of the content that it's unlocking is stuff that's already available elsewhere, but it puts it all in one night, neat little app, pictures, video, and, and interviews, and all kinds of stuff. And I, I think it's a great little advertising tool, and it gives you, you know, some stuff to do kind of as we wait for the movie and, you know, get excited for it. And I, I, I have to hand it to them. It, it's very unique. I, I don't see other movies really doing this that much. I know some have tried things like this, but I think they did a really nice job with this, and I, I'm really enjoying it. So uh, I think uh, that's the main stuff about my speculation and thoughts about this. The few things I wanted to mention uh, was the big thing about the movie is now we're going to be able to see it on Wednesday, May 15th, instead of the 17th on Friday. 
but the hitch is you need to see it in an IMAX theater in 3D. I don't think, from what I've read so far at least, I think that's a unique situation. It's not going to be in other theaters until Friday uh, or Thursday at midnight, depending on how you want to go. Uh, so I guess I'm going to be going to uh, IMAX uh, 3D on, on Wednesday uh, evening that week to see it the first time. You can pre-order tickets already. There's links up. Uh, you can check trekmovie.com. I put a link up for this uh, on my uh, Treks and Sci-Fi website. So just uh, check it out. And, you know, I think this is kind of cool. I'm, I was definitely going to see it in IMAX 3D along with the regular version in, in a regular theater. So I'll probably do the 3D thing and then go see it uh later that week on Friday and the regular theater. So, uh, uh, but that's, that was a pretty big amount of, um, you know, new, pretty, pretty cool news. I thought I get to see it a couple days earlier. Uh, what else? I think that's all. I'm going to take a little break here. I need to get a little tea and I will come back with a little more Trek news and then some other geeky topics along with, um, you know, the, uh, TNG episode. At 2,200 hours and 12 minutes, the Lala reported contact with an alien vessel described as cube-shaped. We're coming with every available starship to assist, Captain. But the closest help is six days away. Card Luke Picard, captain of the Starship Enterprise. You will lower your shields and prepare to transport yourself aboard our vessel. Star Trek The Next Generation, the best of both worlds on dazzling high-definition Blu-ray. If you do not withdraw immediately... You will surrender yourself or we will destroy your ship. What the hell do they want with you? One of television's most powerful cliffhangers is now available as a feature-length double episode. The captain has been altered by the Borg. Altered? is a Borg. Ranked by TV Guide as one of television's top 100 episodes of all time. I am Locutus, a Borg. And nominated for five Emmy. Yeah, there's a, uh, a little trailer for the Best of Both Worlds Blu-ray uh, movie-length edition of, of that double episode from uh, TNG. And that's uh, one thing I wanted to pass on. That is coming out on April 30th on Blu-ray. And you can pre-order that at Amazon. I think it's only like $17 right now, US. And uh, a really cool thing that they're doing, putting that all out on a movie, I think, in Blu-ray format with some extras too that you don't get on the uh, season three set. Uh, the season three set uh, for TNG is coming out also on April 30th. So our, our wallets are gonna be hurting that day, at least mine. And others that buy these uh so you can get the season three set and the separate best of both worlds movie edition uh on the 30th of april also you can watch in theaters in select theaters us i think only uh on april 25th it's a thursday night i believe you can get tickets but they're going to have a um a presentation in movie theaters TNG they've been doing this for each of the season releases and this time the episodes we're going to see is uh, appropriately even though one of them is really technically season four 
we're going to see best of both worlds, both parts together on the big screen with some other previews and, and some back behind the scenes stuff. A really cool uh, thing. And these have always been fun to see. I've seen all of them that they've done so far, I think. And this one should be great. And, and it's going to come only a few weeks before Into Darkness. So that's going to be nice uh, to get us going for that. Uh, so that's coming up again on April 25th. So get your tickets now. Just a few, a couple other Trek-related stories I wanted to pass on before we go on to it. Just a couple other topics, and then I'll get into the TNG episode. Uh, the the magazine Geek Magazine uh, has a, a big article on Star Trek, kind of the history of Trek and other things. Uh, just just really nicely done with some neat pictures. Uh, you can find this Geek Magazine on newsstands. Well, I found it actually a copy of it at my local. Uh, comic book store, uh, or if you want, you can uh, get it online at, over at geekexchange.com. There's actually a way to subscribe to the magazine uh, on uh, digital form. Fortun unfortunately, for some reason, this magazine, they don't have a paper subscription model. They don't do that. They have the issues out on newsstands, drugstores, grocery stores, I've heard it uh, appearing at, uh, and you can get a digital uh, subscription, but if you want the magazine, the paper magazine itself, you got to venture out into the real world and find it in a store. So, wow, that's kind of uh, interesting. Anyway, uh, so I've got that, and I, I, I glanced through it. I haven't had a chance to read the whole article yet, but it looks pretty well done. And I, the magazine, in, it, as, it, as its own, I've, I've gotten one other or two other issues. It's only been out. It's sort of a rebranding of an old magazine that they were doing. I think this is only like their fifth issue of the new version. I think it's the, something like that. So... That is available on newsstands. Like I told you earlier, the latest issue of Entertainment Weekly has a big thing on uh, Into Darkness. Uh, just lots of stuff. Some toy announcements over at Toy Fair this week about related to Trek. Mostly uh, around this line of Creo, these little mini uh, sort of Lego-like uh, toy sets that they're doing. Uh, they're also going to do these uh, Battle Pod things. There is uh, uh, some other new ships that are coming out. Uh, there's a version of the new Enterprise that's going to be out in, in a model kit form. Uh, this is coming out, I think, it uh, looks like in Europe in May and then probably later on here in the U.S. Uh, it's by Ravel, and uh, it's a 1-500 scale of the Enterprise from the new movie uh, universe. So that uh, it looks pretty cool, and it looks like a nice model to build. And I know there are guys in the forum that are excited to get that. I'm one of them, uh, even though my model building time is... is <laughs> pretty much non-existent right now but i'm getting a nice stack of models you know i'll be sitting there in my retirement day just building models that's all i'm gonna do no golf i don't golf so i'll just be building models <laughs> all right other topics real real briefly walking dead re returns to amc tonight finally season three the rest of it i think the the last episode we got was in december early december and and then now they're going to be back with the later part of season three uh, excellent show really looking forward to that uh arrow continues to be good I'm, i've been watching that uh we had the end uh, recently of fringe 
Uh, we've got uh, Grimm has been off the air for a little while, but I think it's due back uh, not until maybe March or February. Yeah, NBC, I don't know what it is with them. I, I, I kind of fell off watching that TV show Revolution also, but it's been it's disappeared for a long time now, and I'm not sure when that's coming back, maybe March also. Uh, and I heard the ratings were okay on it, so I don't know what their plan or what they're doing with these long pauses and long gaps between showing TV uh, on, you know, you know, on, you know, waiting four or five months between, especially with a new series, boy, that, that doesn't seem like a good idea to me, but, uh, okay, folks, I think that's about going to do it. Uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen a lot of like geek type movies uh, lately. Uh, so there's not much there to report. It's been pretty dry. I think once next month comes along, we'll see. I've been actually watching Oscar movies, you know, movies that are uh, up for Oscars. I watched Silver Linings Playbook, not geek topics, but I, I really like that movie a lot. I finally saw that movie. And I also finally saw Argo, which was also a great movie. So, again, not geeky things, but uh, I think, you know, this year I've tr I'm trying to make an effort to see some of these uh, Oscar-nominated movies since that's coming up in a couple of weeks. So, all right, without any further ado, it's about 20-some, 23 minutes into the podcast. Let's get into the TNG episode, Elementary Dear Data, from Season 2 of that series. All right, here Captain we go with the episode. Stardate 42286.3. We have arrived on station at coordinates 3629 by 584, three days early for our rendezvous with the USS Victory. There is nothing to do now but hold this position and wait. Ah, there's always something to do aboard the Enterprise. Chief Engineer LaForge called for me, urgent. Oh, of course. He's um, over there with the Victory. Jordy, I've just had a strange conversation with your assistant. Although it is three days until we rendezvous with Starship Victory, she... She believes it has already arrived? Not the Starship, my friend. The original. Now he's pointing to a big sailing ship uh, model in engineering. This is engineering. To the Victory's Captain Zimbara. <sighs> Most unusual. I served with him as an ensign. Sure wish he'd been in command of this victory. Wind and sail. That's the proper way to move a ship. But, Geordi, your Starfleet specialty is antimatter power, dilithium regulators. That's exactly why this fascinates me, Data. See, it's human nature to love what we don't have. Simpler days, huh? Anyway, stringing this rigging has made me dream of handling sails. This is not a computer simulation. Data, the whole point in doing something like this is to make it by hand. Hmm. Jordy, your message said urgent. Ah, so it is. While we're waiting to rendezvous with the victory, we have time for me to be Watson. More properly, your Watson. My Watson? Well, I've just shown you one of my dreams. Now let's go and share in one of yours. And he hands Data uh, yes. a pipe of Sherlock Holmes. That does seem only fair. Clancy, I'll be gone for a while, see that no one touches it. I sir, and where can I reach you? It can be reached at 221 B Baker Street. Sir? <laughs> All right. Dial down the intro a little bit. 
the this episode is from season two, and I think it's only the second, third episode of the season. Space, the final frontier. It is the third, third episode of season two. It is written by Brian Allen Lane, directed by a pretty seasoned TNG director, Rob Bowman. Uh, it is uh, really a, a fun episode, one I've been looking forward to talking about. Just lots of uh, cool moments in it, especially if you're into both Trek and Sherlock Holmes. It's it's really uh, fun, and uh, we got Dr. Pulaski in here. It's a big, of course, data episode, and the holodeck is used to, to a good degree, I think. And I think they uh, they get a good uh, you know good story. Just just really strong, strong episode, and some good guest stars too. Of course, uh, Daniel Davis. Uh, plays uh, Moriarty, and uh, that uh, he ends up having a you know another spot uh, as Moriarty in an episode uh, further in TNG back uh, I think it's is it season like six or so something like that. And there's a little bit more about the reason for him taking so long before they brought back him back. I'll talk about that more when we get into this uh, episode a little bit further here. Uh, elementary, comma, dear data. Computer, select at random a mystery by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle in which I will play Sherlock Holmes and Lieutenant LaForge will be Dr. John Watson. Now they're in period garb. And, you know, just, it was always fun, you know, this started with the big goodbye for them to do these period pieces on TNG. This is a pretty, pretty big production episode, too. They built a lot of the these sets these were not uh, something they used from anything else. They were uh, things they had to build for this episode. So you say everything in here has some significance. Holmes collected nothing, neither trinkets nor thoughts, which were not specifically significant to him. This? The Emerald Tie Pin. Presented to Holmes by Queen Victoria after he solved the theft of the Bruce Partington plans. So they're in basically Holmes' is like uh, home, his study, books, and, and little knickknacks around the room. A copy of Whitaker's Almanac, which provided Holmes with the key to the secret code in the Valley of Fear. Data is obviously a big aficionado of a Sherlock Holmes. Box of Wilhelm Gottsleek Sigismund von Ormstein. All right, Data. You solve the cases and get all the gifts. What do I do? Primarily as Dr. Watson, you will keep a written record of everything I say and do. Hmm? For later publication. And the famous Holmes violin. He purchased this in a pawn shop in Tottenham Court Road for 55 shillings, which he considered to be a very good investment. Now Data picks up the violin, and of course he can play, a, you know, really well. <laughs> in the hands of some, the violin is a wondrous thing, equally capable of stirring the soul to the heights of bliss as to the depths of despair. But 
data. That's incredible. How can you play it like that? Merely throwing myself into the pot, Watson. <clears throat> and Jordy's writing things down in a notebook by hand. But in the hands of my friend, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, violin ceases to be a musical instrument at all and becomes... Watson, we're about to have guests. I think it's interesting that Jordy can still handwrite very well in, in the 24th century. You know, they use all keyboards and. Lestrade, of course. Are you there, man? Oh, thank the Almighty you're available today, Holmes. I'm in a deuce of a dilemma. And may I say your perturbation becomes you, Inspector Lestrade, whilst simultaneously affording. This actor is Alan Sherman playing Lestrade. Really talk like that? Absolutely. We need your help, Holmes. You see, this gentleman here, the emissary of a foreign government, has been the victim of a most accidentally wicked crime. Damn. Have they invented the electric light by now? What, dear fellow? Watson. Pray continue, Inspector. To put the matter simply, Holmes, this man was accosted by gypsies intent on depriving him of his most valuable possessions. And in the process of picking his pockets clean, they also happened to bag a photograph this man was carrying. Great Scott, the photograph! I believe you will find, Inspector, that this emissary here works not for, but against the King of Bohemia. And that photograph of the King and his <laughs> mistress is to be used for blackmail. Further, of great music in this episode too. Deduces, did I? Computer, freeze program. Exit. Yeah, Jordy's not too happy about how easy this went, so he's Jordy? he's leaving. Where are you going, Jordy? I'm done. But, but, Jordy, I was about to reveal the fact that the sir is in fact a. Yeah, they've, uh, you know, he's decided it's not the Data, gr greatest... What was the point in going to the holodeck? To solve a Sherlock Holmes mystery. Exactly, but you've got them all memorized. The first time anyone opens their mouth, you've got it solved, so there's really no mystery. If there's no mystery, there's no game. No game, no fun. <sighs> oh, I'm not upset with you, Data, really. It's just that... We go through all the trouble to arrange the time to go down to the holodeck to get the proper wardrobe, to get into character, and then boom! Before we even get started, you jump to the end. You see, I was looking forward to the mystery. Then I should have extended the sequence of events. Oh, I'm not getting through. The fun in the program data was in the attempt to solve a mystery. He needs something new, something unique, exactly what we something he won't know about You're or anticipate. Wasting your breath, Lieutenant. Saying that to Data is asking a computer not to compute. Am I so different from you, Doctor? Are you able to cease thinking on command? In medicine, I'm often faced with puzzles that I do not know the answer to. She's right, Data. You always know the answer. To feel the thrill of victory, there has to be the possibility of failure. Where's the victory in winning a battle you can't possibly lose? Are you suggesting there is some value in losing? Yes. Yes, that's the great teacher. 
We humans learn more often from, from a failure or a mistake than we do from an easy success. But not you. You learn by rote. To you, all is memorization and recitation. Well, I don't know about all that. Deductive reasoning is one of Data's strengths. Yes, and Holmes, too. But Holmes understood the human soul, the dark flecks that drive us, that, that turn the innocent into the evil. That understanding is beyond Data. Now you're just being unfair, Doctor. I don't think so, Lieutenant. Your artificial friend doesn't have a prayer of solving a Holmes mystery that he hasn't read. I have read them all. You see? Maybe the computer could create one in the Holmes style, one where you wouldn't know the outcome. As I said, he wouldn't have a prayer. I accept your challenge, Doctor. Good for you, Data. We shall return to the holodeck, where I shall dare it to defeat me. And you, madam, are invited to be a witness. I wouldn't miss it. Come, <laughs> Watson. I really like this idea of, you know, Data being able to to actually think, to be able to go beyond his programming in a way. You know, that's one of the things that, you know, artificial intelligence needs to be able to do to really think. Something created by the computer. Exactly. Will that be sufficient, Doctor? We'll see. Program complete. You may enter. Now they're out on this uh, street. It's hard to believe this is a set and a soundstage that they built. They did such a really great job with this. Spent quite a bit of money on this episode. And actually, that was one of the things, problems they ran into, was they had to cut a day. They had to... The real London was hundreds of square kilometers in size. This is no larger than the holodeck, of course. So the computer adjusts by placing images of more distant perspective on the holodeck walls. But with an image so perfect that you'd actually have to touch the wall to know it was there. And the computer fools you in other ways. I say, Holmes, where should we head? The theater? Rules of a concert, perhaps. Stop him! Stop him! He stole my goods! No! It is a ruse. This way. What's over here, Data? What are you doing, Data? Tell us. The running youth was a ploy. The real crime is here. And the intended victim is that man, Mr. Jabez Wilson, employee of the Red-Headed League, dupe of a gang of criminals. I saw this plaque, home of the Red-Headed League, and this rope hanging from the bell, which enabled me to deduce that Mr. Jabez Wilson was headed here to meet a most distasteful and untimely demise. From this! He pulls the cord and a snake oh, falls down. You didn't deduce anything. All you did was recognize elements from two different home stories. Fraud. Reasoning. From the general to the specific. Is that not the very definition of deduction? Is that not the way Sherlock Holmes worked? Variations on a theme. Now, now do you see my point? All that he knows is stored in his memory banks. Inspiration, original thought, all the true strength of Holmes. It's not possible for our friend. I'll give you credit for your vast knowledge, but your circuits would just short out if you were confronted with a truly original mystery. 
It's elementary, dear Data. Now, wait a minute, Doctor. We'll see whose <laughs> circuits short out. Yeah. I like Pulaski here. I like her point, you know. She's not being cruel or anything to Data. She's she's just stating, you, sure you, want to put yourself through this you know, the obvious, really. Computer, override previous program. Okay. A program that definitely challenges Data. Now, it has to deal with events that he has no previous knowledge of. Computer, in the Holmesian style, create a mystery to confound Data with... An opponent who has the ability to defeat him. Define parameters of program. What does that mean? Computer wants to know how far to take the game. You mean it's giving you a chance to limit your risk? No, the parameters will be whatever is necessary in order to accomplish the directive. Create an adversary capable of defeating data. What was that? The attack? An odd surge of power, sir. It's gone now. And the also during that time, Moriarty was nearby and observed this arch for the, the holodeck. Slightly different. You know, the funny thing about this, when you think about it, the Enterprise's computer that runs the holodeck is, you know, Something would it really be capable of creating what it what it was told to do? Something unique and original. You know, that that is the same question that they're presenting with data. I wonder. Arch. So Moriarty here says the word arch, which is the key command to pull up the, you know, the arch and the mechanism for the holodeck. What have we here? Computer standing by. What are you? If you refer to the arch you ordered, it provides computer control. Do you wish to input any commands? Not at this time. <gasps> Dark magic, Moriarty! <gasps> The best kind, I'm sure. I need information. This is again Daniel Davis plays James Moriarty here. Data, I mean Holmes, old boy. What are we looking for? For whatever finds us, my dear Watson. And so a woman screams, they rush down the street. She has been abducted. Who has? The good doctor. Mm, I think she's hiding. She's going to lead you on a wild goose chase and then recount the story to everyone from here to Alpha Centauri. Watson, the doctor has been carried away by two men. One is tall, the other is shorter, left-handed, and is employed in a laboratory. And how do you know that? One set of footballs is widely spaced. The other is evenly spaced, closer together. Further, on the ground, you can see the swirling scrapes made by his left shoe as he twists behind, presumably to see if he is being followed. Left-footed means left-handed. The dark colorings of the scrapes are the leavings of natural rubber. 
a type of non-conductive soul used by researchers experimenting with electricity. Finally, there can be no argument. The game is afoot. Come, Watson. <laughs> Yeah, Brent Spiner is just awesome in this episode. It, it really gives him a chance to break out of his, you know, kind of data character. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh... What do those footballs tell you, Watson? That we're on the right track. More particularly, that our opposition does indeed consist of two men. And that one of them is carrying the bound and gag Dr. Pulaski. Now, you know all this because you read it in the home story, right? Not at all. Because we do not hear the doctor's footfalls, we must assume that she is being carried. And since we do not hear her cries for help, we know that she is gagged. Further, both sets of footfalls are heavy and masculine. One man seems to shuffle and stumble in an irregular pattern. Since the ground is level, we must conclude that Dr. Pulaski is struggling against one of her captors, sporadically knocking him off stride. Deduction, pure and simple. Not that simple. Footballs. There they are again, Watson. I dare say we have caught up rather nicely with our quarry. Again, getting back to the idea of, you know, intelligent thoughts, you know, leaping beyond your programming and logic here. I think the whole point of data was always that he could learn and he could think. Beyond a normal machine could. Make way, please. Make way. Make way for Sherlock Holmes. It's murder, Holmes. Murder most foul. Well, Holmes, what do you say, man? There is nothing here of relevance. I do not see how this connects with the disappearance of the doctor. Doctor? Dr. Watson is right here, Holmes. Dr. Kate Pulaski. But do not concern yourself, Inspector. You have enough on your mind. She was with you. Inspector, if I may be of assistance, sir. As I take note of this dead man, I deduce that he was strangled. You see, the finger marks on his throat indicate the cause of death. And as there are signs of struggle, it's quite obvious that the murderer was a stranger who attacked him from behind. Is that correct, Holmes? No. Look at his shoes. He's more a convict, released today from Dartmoor Prison. He spent the day in a tavern, consuming large quantities of gin with his killer, who followed him to this very spot and waited over there until the victim slipped into a drunken stupor. Then, out of fear, motivated only by self-protection, strangled him. There is your killer, Inspector. Seize her! And when you check, I believe you will find that this poor soul is the victim's common-law wife who has been dreading the release of this vile and abusive man. Holmes, poor woman hardly has the strength to strangle a man this size. Not with her hands, no. But with this, when used as a garrote, these beads will make a mark quite similar to fingerprints. And, my dear Watson, you will note on the victim's throat, the marks are too evenly spaced to have been made by human hands. Whew. Astounding, Holmes. <laughs> And now, really, Data spies Moriarty now, across the way. Personal reasons, I must leave. Come, Watson. This murder does not connect with our case. Come along. All right, up. Okay. Come on. Data, wait. If this
this murder isn't connected to the disappearance of Dr. Pulaski, then the computer is running an independent program. Yes. Why? I do not know. And that is what puzzles me. Then you don't know what's going to happen next. No. Oh, that's what I want to hear. Where to now? We will find Dr. Pulaski in here. How do you know that? It is the only obvious choice. Well, why is the obvious choice all of a sudden the right one? I mean, isn't this a game of misdirection? Not anymore. He wants us to find him. Who does? The master criminal. The man Holmes could only defeat at the cost of his own life at Reichenbach Falls. Our adversary, my dear Watson, is none other than Professor Moriarty himself. Now, this is getting interesting. There's sort of a misty fog throughout this episode, too, that gives it a lot of uh, atmosphere that works real well, I think. Well, there's, there's nothing here but these barrels. I'm not and sure if that was done on set or, or, so well or with a filter Obviously on the camera. Probably a little bit of both. They're in kind of a storeroom area, oh, it no, looks like. Data. It's another dead end. No, Watson. Not a dead end at all. Hello. What's this? He's using Can a magnifying glass. And uh, there is a scratches on a, on a kind of a beam here which allows them to sort of there's a wall that can be moved of rotating kind of uh, bookcase area and then they go through it after Jordy moves it aside and there's a, a laboratory set up with I love labs in, in TV shows and movies every every liquid in the little uh, you know cylinders and glassware is a different color green blue orange <laughs> If chemistry was that colorful, I, I'd enjoy it more. Although chemistry is fine, but it's never really like that in a lab. Most chemicals you work with are actually pretty, generally fairly clear in nature. You know, some kind of amber, but usually, usually not blue, green, red, yellow. The time for games is over. They like the bubbles too, always. Professor Moriarty, I presume. Know that he is the one worthy opponent created by the author Conan Doyle. And like the spider, I feel the strings vibrate whenever anyone new chances into my web. Welcome, my dear Holmes, but not Holmes, and Dr. Watson, but not Watson. Dana, what does he mean? How does he know we're not who we appear to be? Where is Dr. Pulaski? Oh, she's here. She would not have told you anything. She has provided many answers. Do you forget I have always been your equal, my dear Holmes? I have read her expressions. What she has not said is as important as her words. Have you injured her? I will, if necessary. But my mind is crowded with images. Thoughts I do not understand, yet cannot purge. They plague me. You and your associate look and act so oddly Yet, though I have never met nor seen the like of either of you, I am familiar with you both. It's very confusing. I have felt new realities at the edge of my consciousness, readying to break through. Surely, Holmes, if that's who you truly are, you, of all people, can appreciate what I mean. Data. Say nothing. I know that there is a great power called computer, wiser than the oracle at Delphi, a power which controls all of this, and to which we can speak. Arch. 
Uh-oh. David, this is right. The jig is up. Holographic image should not be able to call for the arch. It has described a great monstrous shape on which I am like a fly stuck on a turtle's back adrift in a great emptiness. What is this, Holmes? He's drawing on a piece of paper here. And this is kind of a key thing for this episode. He hands it to Data. Data looks shocked. Data. And Data basically just Data, starts wait. to leave. Data, wait! Data! Why does it frighten you, Holmes? They walk back out of the place. Data? Data, will you please tell me what's going on? Computer, exit! Data takes the Computer. piece of paper out. Execute complete shutdown of the holodeck. Access denied. Explain. Override protocol has been initiated. It's still running. The program didn't shut down. We must see the captain. Yeah, they, they can't override it because he hasn't solved it. That was what... And why can't we shut down the holiday? Data. This. This is impossible. How can a character from 1890s London draw a picture of the Enterprise? And who's got control of the computer? He does. Moriarty. That is impossible. I don't understand. Nor do I. Did it wait? What about the doctor? Is she all right in there? No. She is in grave danger. So the piece of paper that Moriarty drew on, that's a key point to this episode Computer. of how it was able to leave the holodeck. Program terminated? The holodeck. The protocol has been initiated. On whose authority? Lieutenant Jordy LaForge. Me? All right. Tell me from the beginning exactly what happened. Well, Dr. Pulaski and I had a discussion about whether Data could solve an original Holmes-type mystery. Which you asked the computer to provide? Yes, with a worthy opponent. Worthy of Holmes. Oh, my God. I asked... I asked for a Holmes-type mystery with an opponent capable of defeating Data. That's got to be it. Yeah, a little bit of a hook there. A loophole, kind of, to let the computer do what it needs to do in order to defeat Data. Very kind of key Captain, point. I'm, I'm sorry. It's kind of like making a wish and making a mistake. I understand, Lieutenant. Captain, this character, Moriarty, he called for the arch. What? So, he has access to the computer. And perhaps our library files as well, sir. That level of information would be necessary in order to create a true adversary for me. Theorize data. What are his limits? He's still a fictional character, sir. Originally programmed with 19th century knowledge. Which now has access to 24th century knowledge. What does he need to make use of that? Only time, sir. Sir, I can lead a security team to sweep the holodeck, find the doctor, and bring her out. Captain, I believe that would place the doctor at risk. It is probable our mortality failsafe has been overridden. Computer, where is Dr. Pulaski? Dr. Pulaski is on holodeck, too. And her vital signs? Strong and stable. Captain, recommend we attempt to destroy the hologram generations themselves. Is that possible, Jordy? Using waveguides, I could split a particle beam out of the matter-antimatter chamber, 
run it down through existing conduit into the holodeck. If accelerated to sufficient velocity, that would quite literally wash away all present holographic constructs. The London buildings, the streets, the people, all gone, including Moriarty. Dr. Pulaski? Well, a particle beam will tear apart human flesh as well. Whoops. <laughs> Captain, I'm sensing something from the holodeck. It's as if a unifying force or a single consciousness is trying to bring it all into focus. There can be only one explanation. In programming Moriarty to defeat me, not Holmes, he had to be able to acquire something which I possess. What exactly? Consciousness, sir. Without it, he could not defeat me. I don't get why they, they didn't mention here of just beaming Pulaski out of there. Computer, what happened? That I can remember. Of the Enterprise was momentarily transferred to Hollow Deck 2. That's not good. <laughs> I think it best that you and I should return to the Hollow Deck. I will change into my uniform, sir. No, I will change into some appropriate costume. Our uniforms might pose questions which I'd rather he didn't ask. It seems that he feeds on knowledge. Well, let's not give, not give your nemesis any more information than we have to. How did you make the room shake? I'm not sure. Now, dear lady, will that be one lump or two? Lumps, Professor? What sort of lumps? Milk, of course. Why not? So she's not Mr. tied Computer up, she's just sitting here on, on the couch with Moriarty having tea. A great vessel of some sort. Is that true? I don't know what you're talking about. The scones are likewise a must. This is really quite excellent. Strange. It actually pleases me to hear you say that. Very strange. You're beginning to sound very different from the Moriarty I've read about. You're not frightened of me? No. You should be. Mr. Computer, the arch, please. A few more questions, Mr. Computer. <laughs> Mr. Computer. I've always wondered why they don't have some seem to remember that last command. huge override to the oh, whole well, thing, you know, because the holodeck seems to get over, uh, you know, overridden a lot. There should be an override for an override almost, you know. But in the meantime, I have decided to approach the problem from a more familiar perspective. There's really no reason why I shouldn't be able to use some of the knowledge from my world to bring me closer to yours. I have no idea what you're talking about. Of course you do, madam. The more you proclaim your ignorance, the more you try to mislead me, the more I am on to you. Your every silence speaks volumes. Good. Then if you know what I'm saying when I'm not saying anything, what do you need me for? Thank you for the tea and crumpets. I guess I'll be going. Where? Back to here. He has yes. a chalkboard. Would you care to join me? With a drawing of the Enterprise board, or time. sorry, Enterprise on the In board. In time, I will leave all of this and join you out there. Or is this where we both are, right now? 
Right now, we're in London. Now, tell me what you want from me, or allow me to leave. Frankly, now, I want nothing more than what the fisherman expects of the worm. You, dear doctor, will be the lure. And this will be the hook for your captain, Jean-Luc Picard. Who is that? How well you know. And Worf is uh, also in period garb here, too. <laughs> nice suit. Thank you. Captain, I will be standing by to assist you if needed. It'll be a big hit in London. Computer, tell me, is the program still running? Affirmative. You may enter. Data, shall we go? Gentlemen. Picard has sort of a tux on with a Open. top hat. We don't have much time. He's getting more control of his environment. Let's see if we can't beat Professor Moriarty by giving him everything he wants. So there's uh, parts of the holodeck that are starting to show through the grid, and everyone's sort of frightened of it in, on the streets of London there. Obviously, he's trying to alter the programming here. That's right. Any more you got, too? Excuse me. I don't think so. I want all that money. That's right. I want it now. Data. This holographic image differs from any I have ever seen. Could he have actually injured you? More serious than that. I think Data's just grabbed his finger and is just squeezing the... Oh, let go, go! Come on, he's hurting me! Data, let him go. We will find Moriarty this way, sir. The warehouse. One of the key things about this episode that they altered was the ending. There was an original ending that was filmed, but then later cut and, and from the episode. And it was really Gene Roddenberry that made the change. I'll talk about that in here right. in, a, in a couple of moments. Yes, but for being crammed full of crumpets. I'm a civilized abductor, Captain Picard. Civilized, but still dangerous. Bridge to holodeck control. Warp. Here, sir. Status? Has anything changed? No, sir. He has his lever, Moriarty, and he, as he moves it, he's able to sort of rock the Enterprise. Moriarty, you were conjured up in an attempt to defeat Holmes here. Once that attempt is concluded, win or lose, your program has run its course. Your existence is done. Congratulations, Professor. I capitulate to the better man. Your victory, sir, is is well-earned. It's gone beyond that little game, Mr. Data. And you'll note I no longer call you Holmes. Whatever I was when this began, I have grown. 
I am understanding more and more. And I am able to use the power at my fingertips. I can affect this vessel. And I can inflict bodily harm on you and on your doctor. Yes, you can do that. But you haven't. I suspect you shook this ship in order to get my attention. Well, now you have it. What is it you want? The same thing you want for yourself. To continue to exist. If I destroy these surroundings, this vessel, can you say that it doesn't matter to you? Interesting pun, don't you think? For matter is what I am not. The computer has taught me that I am made up only of energy. That may not be entirely true. Professor, this which we call the holodeck uses a principle similar to another device called a transporter. In the year in which we live, humans have discovered that energy and matter are interchangeable. In the holodeck, energy is converted into matter. Thus, you have substance, but only here. And if I step off this holodeck? Then, Professor, you will cease to exist. You are not alive. As I said before, you are only a holographic image, I know. But are you sure? Oh, yes. Does he have life? He's a machine. But is that all he is? No, he is more. Exactly. Is the definition of life cogito ergo sum? I think, therefore, I am. Yes, that is one possible definition. It is the most important one. And for me, the only one that matters. You or someone asked your computer to program a nefarious fictional character from 19th century London, and that is how I arrived. But I am no longer that creation. I am no longer that evil character. I have changed. I am alive. And I am aware of my own consciousness. Again, good information to uh, able to defeat Data here. He has to be as good or pretty much like Data. Just as you have yours. That may not be possible. Then you must murder me, Captain. I cannot give you what you want. Because you do not know how to convert holodeck matter into a more permanent form. Yes, that is so. A pity. What I have seen. What I have learned. Fascinates me. See, but this goes back to that piece of paper that left the holodeck. The, because the safeties and things are off, and they've changed things, data, or... Matter could leave the holodeck in this case. I have enjoyed your company. Computer. Arch. Cancel override protocol. Return control of the holodeck to main computer. My fate is in your hands. As perhaps it always was. Bridge, this is the captain. Commander Riker here, sir. Number one, the situation is under control. Aye, sir. 
Moriarty, this vessel's computer has a vast memory capacity. How well I know. You will not be extinguished. We will save this program and hopefully in time, when we know enough, bring you back in a form which could leave the holodeck. Then perhaps we'll meet again, madam. Now, if anyone was really trying to make time. sense I'm here. Past for you, but I may be an old woman. But I'll still fill you with crumpet. I would just delete the program. <laughs> it would just be like, this guy yes, came close to taking control of the Enterprise, or had control. You have the arch. As you wish, short goodbye. Computer, save the program of the character Moriarty, and then discontinue. So now they're back, uh, everything's back to normal, down in engineering. Jordy's looking at his Got little it. ship. Mm. Yes, sir. She cracked a spar when the Enterprise was shaken, but otherwise I think she weathered it quite nicely. She's beautiful. Wonderful testimony to simpler times. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. It's just that I can't help thinking how, well, what else might have happened? All because I misspoke a single word. Well, soon she'll be ship-shaped in Bristol fashion. Bristol fashion, sir. It's an old Navy phrase, meaning everything in perfect order. Hmm. Yes, sir. As are we, Mr. LaForge. Yes, sir. Captain, Starship Victory has arrived. On my way, number one. Elementary, dear Data. Elementary. All right, let's dial this down. All right, what this says here on on Memory Alpha about this episode. Let me let me just tell you this exactly what they're saying. It says the original ending filmed was cut from this episode. Uh, Morris Frilly says. And then ending, Picard knew how to defeat Moriarty. He tricked him. He knew all along that Moriarty could leave the holodeck whenever he wanted to. And he knew because when Data came out and showed him a drawing of the Enterprise, if that piece of paper could leave the holodeck, that means that the failsafe had broken down. In turn, that means that the matter-energy converter, which creates the holodeck and everything there, now allowed that matter to leave the holodeck, which was up to that point impossible. He knew this when the paper had left the holodeck, and he knew Moriarty could as well, so he lied to him. This, the whole point here, Gene Roddenberry removed that situation. He says, Gene said that he claimed that Picard had hurt his character by making him look deceitful. Uh, Hurley disagreed. He's saying, I thought it made him look clever. And since you're dealing with someone that's uh, maybe the most profound criminal mind in literature, you've got to be very careful. So, you know, they filmed this. And basically the, the difference in this episode is that Picard at the end there doesn't believe Moriarty can really leave the holodeck. And I think, I don't know, I can go either way with that in the episode. I, that piece of paper leaving the holodeck, well, maybe that was a unique situation. It wasn't, 
you know, it was just an object. So maybe that uh, that would be an explanation for that rather than that the whole everything that was being made in the holodeck could now leave the holodeck. Um, but I, it's still, again, still an awesome episode. Uh, you know, they used the data in Brent Spiner so well. The idea of this, uh, just this one little phrase, the way Jordy uh, says it to the computer, causes this whole big problem, I think is very, very interesting. Uh, and they, they touch on that in other episodes of TNG too. So cool episode, a lot of fun. And uh, I'm glad that I got to watch it and talk about it with you guys. So I'm now going to play uh, Rick Moyer's comments. And I think he's got a little something extra for us too. So listen to this. And then I'll be back to wrap up the podcast for this week. Hey everybody, it's me, Rick Moyer, Moyer777 from the forums, and uh, wow, it's been a while since I've been on Treks in Sci-Fi. I've been so busy, my business has taken off, and I've been doing all sorts of cool, fun video game voiceovers, and uh, music for video games, all sorts of fun stuff like that, and it's been a blast, and uh, yeah, good, good stuff. So, you are reviewing, Rico. The most cool episode ever, Elementary, Dear Data. What a great episode. Not only is it from second season with Dr. Pulaski, my favorite doctor, but it also features some of the coolest technology in holodeck stuff because Jordy, of course, says, Computer, make an adversary that's able to beat Data. Ooh, made a mistake there, didn't he? He didn't say to uh, be able to uh, beat Sherlock Holmes. He said data. And somehow, some way, the computer gives sentient life to Dr. Moriarty. Um, why did I like this episode? Um, number one, because of the doctor. I really like her. Number two, because they really used the holodeck in this one to its fullest extent. It was really cool, and we got to see how it worked and stuff, and that was kind of neat. Also, I really liked the uh, like the secret passageways. I loved it when Data would do like you know re- uh, deductive reasoning. I thought that was really cool. I liked how they dressed up, and I liked Moriarty's laboratory. Thought that was really cool, and I just thought the the whole thing was really awesome. And especially one of my favorite parts is when uh, when Moriarty draws a picture of the Enterprise and hangs it. Or hangs it, hands it to Picard, or to no, to Data, and uh, they they look at it and they're like, oh no. What I thought was interesting though, the little uh, blooper that they did, they walked out of the holodeck with a piece of paper and the thing on there. So, you know, in another episode, we saw them throw a book into the hallway and it disappeared. Or if they walk, if a holodeck image would go off of the holodeck, it disappeared. Well, I guess in this case, the replicators made it um, solid. Maybe he said, computer, save this as a paper or something before he walked out. We never see that, but could have happened. Great, great episode. Would have loved to, I, you know, they did a follow-up episode with the uh, with Dr. Moriarty and, and his wife. Um, and I thought that was really good, too. I wish they would have done more. I just really, really enjoyed uh, seeing uh, Moriarty. And and it seems like there was more episodes of it than there really was. And I think that's just interesting. But uh, good good job on the writer's part. Excellent. um, What do you call it? Uh, uh, Execution, I guess, on the script. And they just did a great job. So 
how many stars do I give elementary deer data? I would have to say out of five stars, it's up there on a five for me. That's how much I like it. By the way, everybody, did you know The Best of Both World is going to be in the theaters uh, in April? I believe it's April 25th. I got my tickets already. I'm going to see it. You should, too. It's going to be really cool. Behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, I think it's running time is two hours with all the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's going to be great from 7 to 9, at least in the theater that I'm going to. And I'm looking forward to any time you can get TNG on the big screen. I'm there. Anyway, everybody, have a great one. Thanks, Rico, for Trex and Sci-Fi. I've really been loving the program. Really enjoy listening to all the different uh, guest hosts you've been having. And excellent, excellent stuff. All right, geeks. Have a good one. Peace out. Satisfy your inner geek at StarTrekParodies.com. Well, thanks, Rick. Thanks for your comments. I uh, always appreciate uh, that and uh, love hearing what you have to say. I know this is uh, an episode you like a lot, and, and I'm glad that you had a chance to, and a little time to send in something about it. And it is a good episode. It's it's a lot of fun, and, and it still holds up to this day. It's it's sort of timeless. You know, a lot of, a lot of Star Trek watching it again even years later is, is just uh, still, you know, great to see. That, that's one of the things I always like about sci-fi and fantasy is it is stuff you can watch over and over again and kind of just just timeless fun that uh, doesn't ever go out of style and it's always uh, always cool to watch. So anyway, uh, that's I think mostly going to do it for this week on the podcast. I can kind of run down for you what's coming up uh, this you know, this month and a little bit into next month for the shows that are uh, going to be on this podcasting uh, network. Oh, uh, and I'm just pulling up the schedule. Here you go. Here we go. Uh, next week. Oh, I, I should have said this way earlier in the show. And, and But thanks so much to Joe last week for that cool uh, podcast on Robot Jocks. That movie is really something, and it, it's. It, uh, you can also watch it if you want to know. You can watch the whole movie on. It, I think it's broken up in in multiple parts, but you can watch the whole movie on YouTube. So if you want to watch Robot Jocks, just go over to YouTube. I think it was in seven or eight parts. So next week you are going to get a special guest show with Chris and Brian back. They're going to be talking about uh, more Dune. Uh, they did a podcast on Dune. Uh, you know, I think it was last year was the first one of that, and they wanted to do more. They wanted to cover more of the books, the movies, the the TV miniseries, all that stuff. So they're going to be here with more Dune next week. On the 24th of February, you're going to have a really unique and special show. I'm actually going to do a joint podcast with uh, Jen and Angela over at the Anomaly Podcast. We're going to talk about Trek, and we're going to talk about actually uh, one of the weaker episodes. I'm not going to call it bad. I'm going to try not to do but one of the weaker episodes of TOS. So that's our plan for that weekend and then on the first of uh or the early part of march march 3rd mark uh mark daniels uh, m5 on the forum he's going to be back with another look at a 
kind of an older classic film. This is on Netflix, I found, and I don't know if I've ever seen this before, but it's called Planet of the Vampires. It, it's I think it's from the 60s, if I remember right. Anyway, it looks pretty fun, and I'm looking forward to that. So that's what's coming up on Treks and Sci-Fi. Everyone, I hope you enjoy your week ahead. I hope the weather hasn't got you down too much. And just hang in there and drive safe and all that. And I'll be talking to you again in a couple of weeks. Again, next week, you'll have a guest show with Chris and Brian on Dune. So take care, everyone. Bye-bye.